Do you ever get so lonely you build a replica of your loved one using a plastic shopping bag full of seasonal gourds and then use your hands to make the lips move? Do you always remember to give it lips? Galinda has been away coaching all week, and you know what? I'm just going to call her. We have the technology. Well, she uh, said she's going to be out here at this hotel, so let's give them a call out in Sedona, Arizona. Yes, this is Carrie. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, this is uh, the Best Western? Yes. Yes, uh, great. Uh, listen, I'm trying to find out if I could uh, get in touch with my wife. She's supposed to have checked in there. Uh, okay, do you know her room number? Uh, I don't know her room number, no. Uh, her last name is Davenport, first name Galinda. Uh, let's see. She's out there to see the energy vortexes. Are you sure it's this one? Uh, this is the plus. two... Um... Yeah, there's two. We're Best Western Plus Inn of Sedona, or there's Best Western Plus Arroyo Roble. Hmm, I thought and it Davenport was... is spelled D-A-V as in Victor, E-N as in Nancy, P as in Paul, O-R-T as in Tom. Listen, you got it. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't have anything. Um, Anyone checked in under that name. Let me make sure she hasn't checked in yet. Okay. Yeah, and I don't have any expected arrivals. I can give you their other uh, the, the other Best Western's number. Okay, uh, that's fine. I can I'll take that down. Um, you have a good breakfast there. We do. It's from six to ten. Uh, it's like buffet style. They have like pancakes, eggs, that whole thing. You got the? Do you have waffles? Not waffles. No, but pancakes. Okay. Well, she yeah, loves she, she loves those too. So maybe you can keep an eye out for her. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think she's staying at this hotel. Okay. Um, well, just the same, if you see a tall, handsome woman with big hands, really going for the pancakes, uh, tell her to call her husband. Would that be all right? Okay. Okay. Did you want a, did you want a Royal Robles number? I do. I'm going to give them a call next. So, yes, give me that okay. number. Have you seen those energy vortexes? Uh, I've been to a couple, yeah. Yeah? Is it decent? Is it good? Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. You really feel something? Yeah, at least at the Boynton Canyon one, because there's two there. There's a female and a, a male energy vortex. Oh, that's the one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, listen, what is your name? Uh, Carrie. Carrie, thank you very much. I appreciate your help, and I'll, I'll try and track her down. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, perhaps she's had a change of plans. I do hope she shows up at a breakfast buffet before too long. Well, it looks like it's just you and me and my gourd wife. We'll have to keep each other company as we open up another portal that leads into the deep night. Covered in portal dust. It gets everywhere. Oh, friends, hello. It's me, Dale Seaver, your host for another hour of regrets and revelations and rising stars. We have a terrific program for you today, coming to you as always from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Things are getting spooky out here, I think. It's finally happening, this transition to fall. I just hope it'll stay cool so I don't have to sweat through my Halloween costume once again. 
I'm going as infamous male witch George Pickingill, a tall, frightening man who lived in the 1800s. He was said to have a hostile demeanor and long, sharp fingernails. He bothered the local townspeople for money and beer. In other words, a practitioner of what we call folk magic. He was an awful sexist, though, so I'm going to have to perform a ritual or two before sliding into his skin. <laughs> Is there really a mothman on the loose in Chicago? A flying bat of a fella? That concerns me and intrigues me. Imagine that marvel of evolution, a large humanoid head with glowing yellow eyes, long gray wings the color of soot, hanging down perched there on top of the enormous plastered tree frog that hangs on the side of the Rainforest Cafe in downtown Chicago. Tonight on the program, we talk to someone who spent some time lurking about dubious chain restaurants in Chicago, comedian and podcaster Tim Barnes. Tim and I got along so well, he's a terrific guy, and we share a lot of the same affinities. It's nice to share affinities, if you can. Find a fellow you can share affinities with, folks, and you'll never need to fish again, as the saying goes. Tim's now in New York, where he's making a go of it in the comedy world. You ready for a bio? Here's a bio. Tim Barnes is a Los Angeles-born, Brooklyn-based comedian and writer whose absurdist humor brings light to social issues from unexpected angles. My goodness. Tim has written for the AV Club, the NPR Quiz Show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and even documented his man bitch for Men's Health, of which I am an ardent subscriber. It's how I know that I'm a man, really. He's the creator and host of the acclaimed interview storytelling podcast, It's All True, which was formerly in the WBEZ network of podcasts. Now it's happening here in New York every now and again. Fellow denizens of the dark, let us go now to my conversation with comedian Tim Barnes. Tim Barnes. Yes. Welcome to the deep night. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. How are you at this undetermined time? Because, of course, we never understand how time works in the deep <laughs> night, even those of us that live here. Yeah. Or spend a great deal of time I here. don't hear the phrase deep night often enough. You don't, do you? Right. Well, we're trying to we're trying to help that. Yeah. You, you, you hear late at night. Late at night. You don't hear people say it was the deep night. Deep night. Yeah. That's, I think that's between maybe 3.35 and 3.37. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in there. It's right. definitely approaching a time where there could be some regrets. Yes. Uh, you either have uh, are in need of coffee. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, maybe you've had too much. A lot of walk, too much, walks too of shame happen in the deep night. I think that's – have you ever had one of those? No, I haven't. No. Well, well I don't, I don't want to get into it. On... <laughs> <laughs> we won't start there, but we might build up to it. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, and, and you're, you're, do, you're doing okay though. I'm doing, I'm doing great. Or I like yeah. to check in, yeah. make sure everything's fine. Yeah. Um, did you do okay in physics? No, I didn't take physics. You, were you able yeah. to skip I it? I took phys ed, but phys no ed. physics. <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> I would say I was better at uh, phys ed, uh -huh. marginally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than physics. Yeah. I always thought I, I was bad at f physical education. Yes. But um, I noticed that the PE teachers only focused on two two types of people, the star athletes. Yes. And then the people who were just troublemakers. So if you're in between... You're fine. It's You're kind getting... of a free period. Yeah, yeah. You got to really. jog a little. I would pretend that I wanted the ball. <laughs> that's you know? that's and I, right. And I got an, got an A for that. They didn't pay too much attention to you <laughs> as you slowly trotted around the track. <laughs> not not bringing it home, but uh, doing just there. Yeah. That's yeah. there. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I had a, a terrible. We don't have to get a lot. I don't, this show is not about a. <laughs> this physics, is like Mark Marion, right? But, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Where are my cats? Uh, you want to pick up a guitar, and noodle a bit? Yeah, I just um, shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what did a pal coffee? Uh, we wish him well. Uh, <laughs> did this show start before his? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you never know when he. Am I still it. not on a timeout best of list? It doesn't matter. The point is, we move forward. <laughs> we can't hold on to anger unless it's about uh, uh, teachers that had a, a bad effect on it. I was just recalling uh-huh. because you know there's been a lot in the news about this kind of a thing. We had a. And I think this contributes to how tricky physics are for me when I try to contemplate both this universe and other realities. Uh I've sort of invented my own system, you understand. Uh But this guy, uh, he was there and he would tell kind of off-color jokes about girls with names like Helen Bed. Now, that's not appropriate in ninth grade or any time, I would argue. Uh, And so I think that this person, I may have had a revulsion to learning, Tim. And I think that impeded my progress. Did you have any teachers that were positive influences on you? Yeah, I'd say, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of positive influence influential teachers. Yeah, you know, this was growing up where in California? I, I grew up in California. I'm from uh, South Central LA. South Central LA, yeah, yeah, which I hear is a bad neighborhood. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go outside. No, you know, what, were, but, were you there in any period of great tumult? Uh. They've had some incidences yeah, over the years. Yeah, they've had some stuff. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I was born in 1989. What year were, were some of those those riots? Oh, I believe 91 or so. 91. So I, was, I must have been there. Yeah. I must have been. It had no impact. Had no impact. <laughs> Didn't have any. <laughs> no, no lasting memories for two-year-old Tim. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well. <laughs> and what did your parents do? Were my they... parents, uh, my, my, my mom does hair. Yeah. And my dad is a plasterer. I see. And so he uh, he actually works at Disneyland. Well, that's a, he does that a, lot seems... of the, a lot of the rock work. Listen, yeah. If you're going to be in, into the plaster business, and yeah. I got a lot of listeners who are, uh, Disneyland seems like a fun place to do it. Yeah, I mean, I grew. He, I mean, he it was where he worked, so I grew up pretty jaded. He didn't really particularly like the Disney store when he walked past it in the mall. Yeah, no, know? I can understand it that. him of work. And but... so for me, as a young man dealing with a, a dad who had, you know unpleasant times at the happiest place on earth you know what does that do to a kid what did it do to you that's why i'm a comedian yeah (laughs) (laughs) well listen there's problems with disney i won't kid you and i bet if you're within the system you might see them more clearly yeah and if you're there on stilts or whatever plastering (laughs) something it may uh have a real impact on you and now you're a joke maker right Oh, I mean, I, I'm an entertainer uh-huh. of some degree. Now I've moved into kind of holistic healing. Okay. Uh, but most of it, I still try to entertain. Don't you, get me wrong, Tim. My you, goodness, healing you went, you can be fun. Phys- you went from physics to entertainment. <laughs> That's natural right. Well, transition. no, I never yeah. did any kind of physics. That's what I'm saying. Oh, gotcha. This okay. guy, I was walking down the hall. He said, congratulations. Same guy. This yeah. guy, guy, real tall guy. Real uh-huh. kind of. He had a little anger behind the eyes. <laughs> He said, congratulations. I said, I did that well in the test. He said, no, you got the lowest grade in the district, <laughs> which fills a young person with shame yeah. and also a little pride uh-huh. because you're at the bottom. Yeah. It's like you say. It's not the top, but it's not the uh, the jokers. You, you're kind of in the middle. I was at the bottom. Gotcha. I was at the bottom. And I abandoned physics after that too. When she found out I only had to do three years of science, <laughs> I'm out of there. I don't need it. Yeah. Hasn't well, come into handy. The now reason I, I just asked make stuff if, you're, up. if you're a joke maker, yes. maybe you can. I've, I've, I know this fact about my dad working at Disneyland. Yeah, 
And I feel like there's a joke there, but I don't know if you can find it. But this is true. My dad was on top of Splash Mountain when he found out that my mother's water broke. <laughs> well, me. That feels like a joke just writes itself. <laughs> I feel like the premise is good. There you go. <laughs> that's like a story. It is a story. It's just yeah. a little story. I'm that's bad a, at that's amusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, well, that's appropriate. It's like a haiku. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's worse places he could have been. <laughs> I tell you that. <laughs> the haunted mansion yeah. for one. <laughs> it could be bad. Jachuro stand. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the top of a churro stand. <laughs> uh. But uh, so South Central, you're out there, mm-hmm. uh, Disneyland. Uh, but decent though for you? Yeah, it was good. I had yeah. a nice indoor life, and it's not that I was forced to be inside. I'm very grateful that <laughs> you know I enjoyed just watching TV. Like I, d- I definitely yes. grew up uh, watching a lot of television. I think my idea of conversations, like how they are supposed to work, yeah, is from television. Like watching a lot of. Uh, Regis and Kelly. Wasn't that show good? It was good. I would argue the first 20 minutes of that program, uh-huh. uh, especially even with Regis and Kathy. But yeah, Re- Regis and Re- Ka- I think I think actually I meant to say Regis and Kathy. Yeah, with Kathy and Lee then there. progress into The first Kelly. 20 minutes of that show were the most archaic, <laughs> uh, electrifying, uh, strange minutes of yeah. live television, unpredictable. You just I and loved you it. When you're a kid, you don't know that this isn't that this is fabricated. <laughs> well, I still don't know that. And so I I'm, don't want to believe that. <laughs> if I know that, I don't want to believe it. I'm in this conundrum where I'm a I'm a black man. I'm a 28 year old black man who has white broadcaster voice. Yeah, you know, which comes in handy. <laughs> it's one doesn't think about yeah. that. Sometimes. No one knows how to arrest a black man who sounds like he's going to tell you the <laughs> in a good looking sweater. Yeah, that's right. I I was arrested in a cardigan. Oh wow! Do you believe that? I do. I had to sit in the back of a cop car. I said, look at me. I'm in a button-up cardigan in Ohio. How much trouble can I really get in? Uh, I didn't steal the rental car. So you're from Ohio? No, no, but I had to spend some time there. And uh, as it turns out, in the back of a a state trooper's vehicle, which is not comfortable. It's like a plastic seat. It was almost like something you'd find at Disneyland. See, you're a good storyteller. You You have all these details, the plastic seats. I I would forget all of that. Well, I just want to, I try to uh, understand the plight of the common man. <laughs> I was uh, I was stabbed once in Santa Barbara. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Getting some tacos at that place where um, uh, what's her name, Julie? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I I was I was working at the Arlington Theater in Santa Barbara at the time, yeah. uh, and I, I got uh, it was like a slow day. It's like a three thousand seat theater. It's an old Fox theater. Yep, got and the so, Italian uh, tiles on the yeah, top. Yeah, and it yes. looks like a starscape up top oh, and all that. It's really nice. But they would play that. movies on nights where on, – on most nights where there wasn't like a live show or something like that. Yep. And so it was a movie theater. I got off early because it wasn't – I think Avatar might have been out at the time. Ugh, don't yeah. get me started. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I guess maybe I'm a good storyteller. Look at me. <laughs> Look at you uh, going. Uh, I, I, I was wearing like the, the penguin costume, like a bow tie and a, and a vest and everything. Thing. Yes. Walking home, I lived like it was downtown. I lived a couple blocks away from downtown Santa Barbara. You don't think of it as a sort of risky neighborhood. Oh, very. And this very guy quaint. taps me on the shoulder. I was listening to headphones, and I don't know how long he was following me. And he says, "Do you have a, do you have a, a lighter for a cigarette?" And I didn't smoke. And so I was like, "No, I don't have a, have a lighter for a cigarette." And he seemed like kind of drunk and like maybe a little strung out. Yeah. Uh, and then after I told him I don't have a lighter for a cigarette, he takes out a lighter and lights a cigarette and looks like me dead in the eye as he does it. 
And then, I mean, that should have been the first sign that things were <laughs> were very strange. That's right. Uh, Tighten up the bow tie and, and walk uh, faster. <laughs> and I crossed the street to the corner of the house I was in, and uh, he asked if I have any change for him to catch the bus. And and during that time, he had mm. telling me the story about he's meeting his girlfriend or something. Yeah. Didn't have any change. And then he punches me in the face. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then we pre- and then proceed. he stabs you. And then, yeah, and then, what if that's how it ended? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into this whole thing, uh, and he keeps saying, "I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you." Yeah. And then I keep saying, "Why are you doing this?" It's like this weird call and response thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, he stops at one point, and then I, I run into the apartment, and I was the the room I was in, and I look in the mirror, and there's this blood trickling down from my mouth onto my my work outfit. Oh, my goodness. And uh, then I knock on another tenant's door, and they're like, oh, my God, it's like punching a puppy. You know, like, what? who did this? <laughs> and we go out to see, like, what direction he went, and then someone notices I'm bleeding on the on the back, on my, my back left shoulder. Uh, and I, I realize that he, he held his promise. He did stab me. And the weirdest part of all of this is calling off work the next day. Yeah, that's quite an I'm, excuse. I, I don't – I'm not like it. I'm not even when I call because I'm actually sick. I don't sound sick. Like I said, I have broadcaster voice, right? Right. And so imagine a broadcaster <laughs> saying, uh, "I'm not going to be able to make it into work today," and they're like, "Why?" Like it probably Tommy, like Tommy, I've been stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't I was, be able to run the popcorn yeah. machine. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I got, I'm Bill Curtis. I got stabbed. <laughs> There's so much to that uh, story, yeah, Tim. Yeah. First of all, you didn't know that you were stabbed. I didn't know because the adrenaline of the punch. You, that's you were already in the tussle, already trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. This guy at some point pulls, we, I guess, a knife. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It could have been keys. Yeah. We don't know. I learned a lot that and night. And you had no, no other real uh, uh, injury or no other yeah. um, well, symptom. But apparently it, other it went than, in a couple inches and apparently inches. it could have it hit my lung. Sure, it could have hit a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> but all it did was make you bleed a little bit yeah. and miss a day at work. Yeah. And I yeah. assume you had a dry cleaning bill. <laughs> Do they replace that when you get stabbed? They, they, they didn't. Uh, what's weird, I was, in, I, was in, I was in Santa Barbara. Yes. And this was a, this was a white guy who did it. Uh, which of is weird because I'm, from, I'm from it's South Central weird. L.A., right? <laughs> Well, yes. No, well, no problem. <laughs> this, that's that's the whole deal. Yeah, you just said it. If that's I, America. <laughs> that's what we're going through right now. The, uh, white people uh, are, have have all this year. Yeah, responsible yeah. all yeah. for many years. <laughs> Arguably, yeah. since I, they I, got here. I really took that as like. Uh, Karma telling me to quit college, like honestly, that, I was in Santa Barbara for college, and I felt like hey, I avoided, nice I av- <laughs> right, I avoided getting into any sort of harm in South Central LA, you know. Yes, and I moved to Santa Barbara, and I'm not having fun in college. I was a film major, but it wasn't like I felt like what, like what am I doing? Yeah. And then this happens. Get and then when I was in the ER, I was really funny. Like my my base reaction was to like make everybody laugh. I was like, "Who stabbed someone before That's... nine p.m.?" You know? <laughs> Don't you love getting the laughs from the medical people, <laughs> right? Because I've, if you're someone like I think the two of us are, you feel compelled to both kind of empathize with what they're going through and give a little levity to the situation. Yeah. Plus, it's ridiculous. You just got stabbed <laughs> in Santa Barbara. Yeah, me. Julia Child. 
is who I was thinking of, and her taco place yeah. that she goes to. And then to have to explain, like the 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 Beautiful, worst part is the charming. task of explaining to people, yeah, that you got stabbed, yeah. Because then it's uh, it, 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 it honestly didn't feel emotional to me until <laughs> people started reacting emotionally. That's how it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, you see the looks on people's faces looking into disaster, <laughs> and that's what triggers us. Well, I, I'm glad yeah. that you got the laughs in the in the ER. Yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you ever go back into a show there at the hospital? <laughs> Some kind of laughter uh, program? I'm, I feel like I derailed what you have on your papers here. It doesn't but, matter. Okay. This is uh, just some instructions for later, some Ikea instructions for some uh, uh, blue dressers I ordered. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. And that answers my question of how the comedy spark took hold in the yeah. uh, handful of pine needles and uh, <laughs> sawdust that is Tim Barnes. Uh, do you ever watch Naked and Afraid? No, no. no. I mean, well. I, I watch television Naked and Afraid. But, uh, <laughs> different. That's different. I'm going to argue that's different. Well, if you are ever thrust into the jungle and you become naked and afraid or you're competing on that show, you uh-huh. don't have to be okay. afraid. You do apparently it's a reality have to be show. naked. It's a reality so show. They drop you into the, a difficult condition, although it's never Santa Barbara. I'd like to see somebody survive in Santa Barbara. But they, they should always bring a fire starter. They ne- yeah. not, that's, some people bring a pan. Oh, so you're allowed to bring like one three, thing. One thing, okay. Often they bring a machete, and okay. some people, often, all the time, yeah. I'll explain this to you. Yeah. Some guy, they got a guy who's a survivalist, uh-huh. and he said, oh, I'm real good at starting fires. Yeah. And they show a couple of things of him, like using the stick, uh-huh. you know, with a string. Yeah. They're always too overconfident hmm. of their abilities to make a fire with Wait, a stick. How long are they out there? 21 days they have to survive. Like they the can tap like out. The, the members of the crew just eating like a McDonald's <laughs> breakfast sandwich. Yep, <laughs> right next to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what, how are they surviving? They just have like trailers of... <laughs> Clothed and comfortable. Yeah. It's a whole different show. <laughs> I, I would rather watch that. Than Mildly this, inconvenienced yeah. <laughs> would be, be a program I'd like to watch. <laughs> uh, uh, they can never do it. So there you go. You get the laughs in the ER. You say, college isn't for me. Had you yeah. made some films up to that? You, I, you enjoy films? I, I enjoy films. I think I'll get into filmmaking again at some point in my I life. Like I, I would like to. But, yeah, I made some some pretty silly movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> comedies comedies yeah i mean i yeah. uh my parents uh saved up a bunch of money for me to to take a a summer three-week film class at the new york film academy at universal studios california oh that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it was cool i got to use eight millimeter film yeah and um i uh so you, you got to make you got to write two shorts, and it was just sort of this rotating thing where you'd be on the crew for another person's two shorts. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Holding the, the first boom. One. Yeah, holding yeah. the boom and whatnot. Uh, and you learned what F-stops are and all that kind of stuff. So the first one, I mean, they both had to be silent. Um, and so I was really into this. I got into this idea of this minimalism. I was just, like, obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, Minimalism in filmmaking? In filmmaking, where yeah. it's like, I was just obsessed with this idea that all you need is a wide shot and maybe two close-ups, depending on who's in the scene. You know, that's all you need. Don't sounds, do anything fancy. Fair to me. And sometimes I still hate it when I see, like, all these, like, shots yeah. in a scene. Like, watching one long wide shot is, like, so compelling. Yeah. Especially if it's well-framed and there's, like, maybe one little movement. It means that there's way more coordination happening, honestly, yeah. than uh, than, like, all these 
extra shots. And <laughs> I love a single shot. <laughs> yeah, me you too. give me one great long single shot, yeah. and I'm there. There's, I can't remember at the top of my head right now the Greek filmmaker who's really famous for that. But there's a beautiful sequence where all the people are coming into the village. Oh yeah, and with and they all have umbrellas, and it's yeah, raining, yeah. and it's just one thing to the next. You can't believe the coordination. Yeah, that, or like an OK Go video. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta talk to the. I gotta talk to these tweens. You know, these timeout kids. They gotta know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah obscure yeah. Greek filmmaker. Okay, go videos. All one. <laughs> all shot. one shot. But it's rehearsed. Yeah. It yeah. takes time. That to me, I, there's some great artistry to yeah. that. These days, it's easier to talk about the cinematography of an Okay Go video than a Woody Allen film, right? <laughs> that, so. Well, it's certainly less problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope. Yeah. My gosh. Every day heroes fall. Yeah. Not that yeah. – uh, You don't want them to turn – Not okay, all heroes Okay, stop. You know? yeah. um, <laughs> okay, stop. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I was, I, was, I was addicted with that, yeah. with that idea. Yeah. Um, all you need is a white – and I love it when the, – the timing of when a wide shot is the funniest thing in the world and when a close-up is the funniest thing in the world. Like when it comes to like comedy editing, yeah. oh my God, so many people don't know about that. So, so many people don't know that if you just cut to that wide shot right there or if this whole scene was wide, yeah. it would be so much funnier. I, I am with you on the underappreciated <laughs> wide shot. <laughs> All right. So the first, the first short I made was called Awkward Silence because I was like, OK, let me get meta and simplistic about this. This right. is a silent movie. This movie's going to be called Awkward Silence. Yes. And I don't know why I'm gesticulating like Donald Trump right now. I feel like I'm talking in his rhythm a little bit. It's going to be called Awkward Silence. Um, and it was just about these two these two characters sitting down on a porch. And this was actually the porch because we got to use the Universal Studios back lot that Bruce – Bruce what's – not Bruce Wayne. Bruce from the Hulk. What's it, what's his name? Bruce Banner, Banner lives yes. in in that angry Bruce, Bruce – Oh, right. Uh, the little mountainside place yeah, where yeah, the big yeah. dogs come in. <laughs> For some reason, so it's it's that porch, but you can't. It's it's so simplistic. I'm not highlighting that fact. And they're just sitting, uh, sitting on a on a porch, talking to each other. And one of the guys like, "Are we in a silent movie?" And the other character's like, "I don't know, maybe." And then it's just like two minutes of them staring at each other awkwardly. Well, and you fulfilled uh, the assignment. Yeah. And the other guy goes, "When's this gonna end?" And then it, and she goes, "And then it ends." That was my first uh, Toying film with the form. on film. Film yes. about film. Yeah, my first my first film before that was in high school. Uh huh. And it was, I forget what it was called, but it was about people dealing candy like it was drugs. Yep. Um, you know, I'm I'm a comedic genius. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. And then the it's second there. the second film I made at the New York Film Academy at Universal Studios California that was screened in front of all the parents at the end of the whole course. Yes. Was called Whipping the Caterer. Oh. And I, this was originally going to be my opus. I was going to experiment with a lot of different genres in this last thing. It was going to be like, one of them was going to be like a murder mystery, one of them was going to be a comedy, but none of that other film came out. And the only thing that did work was really just to, to uh, fulfill this thing that my teacher, Matt Harrison, had taught me that you can, um, through perspective, and the the placement of the 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 people from one another, you can make it look like someone is getting whipped, which oh. is a very interesting thing for a white filmmaker teacher to t- tell his 
his black student, but it was not, it wasn't weird like that. But I was like, oh, really? Okay. I assume you had introduced the idea of whipping first. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I honestly yeah, don't remember how this came up. Like, you know what you could do. <laughs> so the food was very bad. The catering service this whole time for this very expensive summer film course at the New York Film Academy at Universal Studios was very bad. Yeah. And so I was like – Probably they had to use uh, the union that was already in there with <laughs> yeah, Universal yeah. Studios, <laughs> yeah. not equipped to do fine dining. <laughs> for young, for young for, high for young, schoolers. Yeah, high schoolers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I had this guy dressed up like a caterer and he runs into frame. Yeah. And then I gave my teacher, Matt Harrison, He there was like a whip. I don't know where this prop came from. Man. Maybe that's how it, he found this whip prop and it was like you know what you could do maybe mm. that's how it happened yeah and so then he runs into frame and he just starts whipping him for three minutes and so this whole short is just a wide shot and two close-ups i was still uh, using my minimalistic yes. theory and so we get to the last day where all of the shorts that the parents who had paid so much money for this are finally watching their kids short films yep. in a theater that were shot on film, yep. and mine is the last one to be shown. Hmm. The lights, you know, are dim because you're in yes. a movie theater, and it, it shows up, and it says "dedicated to the the students at something like that, something calling to the fact that like the food has been very bad." Yes, and it starts off with a wide shot. <laughs> a caterer runs on frame, stops for some reason, sure, and then. Uh, my film teacher comes in and he starts whipping him. I added a whipping sound effect. Yes. And then the balance, I'm telling you, if you ever watch this, the balance of the wide shots and the close-ups, so funny. Yeah. And this is the last one being shown. Yeah. And Standing O. <laughs> lots of laughter. Lots of like, what the fuck looks for my parents. <laughs> and then the, the administrator of the whole thing <laughs> had no idea what this was. It was like shocked and like a little dumbfounded at the end. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I found my place in the world. Yeah. You're feeling yeah. good. I'm You're feeling good. Sitting in yeah. a good spirit. <laughs> I'm watching chaos take of place. Of whipping the caterer. Yeah. And I loved that awkward space of my parents not knowing what they invested in. Uh, the administrator not knowing. <laughs> the caterer also feeling a little hurt. Yeah. The caterer somewhere in the back of the room. Oh my gosh, I thought the chicken tenders were good. <laughs> I've always had such good feedback <laughs> on the forms. Yeah. But this kid, wow. Uh, yeah, you got to get back into it. Yeah. 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 I, I want to, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to leave that. I mean, there needs yeah, yeah. to be a sequel. <laughs> Uh, for sure. <laughs> Just the whipping the series. Yeah. yeah, whipping the series. Oh, gosh. Yes. Um, but when you said you were an indoor kid, I, I just want to go back to that for a second. So you're watching Regis and Kathy Lee in South Central. <laughs> yes. Which is fantastic. Uh, and uh, you're fascinated by conversation. Yes. And then you have the two people on the porch, which is almost like putting Regis and Kathy Lee in a silent film. Yeah. But sort of aware of it. And then uh, the catering thing we're just going to set to the side. For. Yeah. <laughs> I found a theme and I'm running with it. For yeah. everyone's benefit. Yeah. No. Uh, so – but what other things were you drawn to other than uh, – was it specifically the art of conversation? I was watching a little bit of Letterman the other uh, – uh, this morning. <laughs> and uh, I was again just charmed. Uh, and always remembering how much he's had an impact on yeah. on me and how I kind of relate to people sometimes, mm -hmm. which is a weird way to learn how to relate to someone through a talk show host. <laughs> but 
when one ends up hosting a talk show. Yeah. You, you find some of those rhythms. Yeah. W- were there things like that? That you, What other things were you watching? I mean, I, I, I loved Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there's sure. a lot of great dialogue. I haven't watched it in a while. And I love <laughs> Star Wars. But here's the thing. What yeah. I loved about Star Wars, I mean, I was a young kid, so I fell into the trap of the prequels. But when I watch A New Hope, my favorite scene is the conference room where all the different Grand Moff Tarkin. I love watching a back and forth conversation. <laughs> and I love, like, I have no idea what the galactic politics are, yeah. but I can watch people talk about it all day. <laughs> like, I can watch whatever whatever is going on in that room. What the hell are they talking about? Yeah. But I, I, love, I love political dialogue. I love the construction elements of a conversation. Building blocks. That's why I don't, I don't particularly like small talk. But when a conversation finds its focus, and I think comedians are good at finding that focus and, like, jumping from one tangent to the other in a way that, like, most normal conversation doesn't function. Yeah. Like, you're really trying to pierce into, like, this specific thing. And I think the illusion of what happens when you watch a talk show is what got me addicted to that because I didn't know that – these people were like pre-screened or they had like a, a conversation before this conversation right, that's on right. live television. But if you can just like focus right in on like this juicy part of a conversation, that's like <laughs> that's so great. Like I, I want to skip the small talk stuff and get right into like what's the meaning of the universe. Right. Yeah. Which Do brings you, us back to physics. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think connects to the whip. <laughs> uh as 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 you are saying that, I'm trying to think of, you know, sometimes conversations are transactional, mm-hmm. and those are kind of not fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes that happens on talk shows too, where yeah. you get somebody that's just there to do the job to promote yeah. the show, yeah. And that's less exciting than like when Bill Murray comes on and does whatever he wants to do, or like those moments with yeah. Regis and Kathy Lee, where how much of that was planned or not, <laughs> Regis talking about going to dinner. Uh, that night before and who we ran. I yeah. went to, in L.A. Uh-huh. I went to a restaurant. Guess who walks in and sits down? <laughs> You're going to know. Regis. <laughs> and he's there with some other kind of uh, white guy in a sweater vest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's his wife's name? I, I don't remember. I can't remember yeah. at the time uh, this moment. June or Jane or whatever it is. And uh, she sometimes she would co-host it. Anyway, again, this is not millennial <laughs> appealing. But, but I just loved it. And yeah. it was so Weird to see him in L.A. of all the people. And, of course, I'm with people that don't know who he is, so it's totally lost on everybody. But I would say that is fascinating to me that you like that part of the Star Wars yeah. franchise. Yeah, It's the best Arguably part. Arguably the thing that's kind of just moving stuff along or giving you a break from lasers. <laughs> that is my favorite part. I mean, that's what I love about Star Trek and – yeah, I just love watching, especially a political show yeah. like House of Cards. It's just weird that words and tone have that much impact. I mean, it's what's weird about doing stand-up, too, Yeah, is like especially once you have your routine down and you know what your gestures are and there's a lot, a lot of in-the-moment decisions that are happening. But it's like I can't believe that it gets absurd at a certain point, especially if you're not writing a lot of new material that yeah. you're like – Oh, I just say this, and that's where the laugh is. And why? What? It, what am I conjuring? It's almost. Right. It's definitely magic because you're just saying it this is. series of words in this right organization that is making people elicit laughter and like this emotion. Like you're giving people an emotion, and you're not acting. You're not in a, in a play. You're not playing music. 
It's it's very strange. It is. We're all witches. Well, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I was at the Warlock Convention, my friend. Well, I think Reggie watched it a, a bit like that, where he gets up and just does the rhythm yeah, of yeah. stand-up. And it's fantastic, as I recall from seeing it. Now, I didn't see it live, but I think I saw a video of it. And uh, it just lays bare exactly what you're talking about, yeah. that it's some kind of – you can still get the response. Yeah. Now, of course, we know what what's going on, mm-hmm. but – it is a kind of music. It is strange that it gets that reaction, yeah. that there is a rhythm to things. And sometimes it doesn't matter what you're saying, yeah, if and, at all. And most small talk, <laughs> it doesn't matter. What, like Ugh. the number of times you say so – you walk past someone and they're like, how's it going? And you're like, I'm good. How are you? And they just keep walking and don't answer the question. It's like why do we even talk? Why do we even feel this need to – Honestly, I prefer that interaction to some of the things uh, that we have a new gal uh-huh. at work, okay. Connie. Gotcha. And she speaks at the top of her volume. Wow. About the most inane things. <laughs> and she, she'll she talk to her uh, her family, we'll call. Yeah. And you see where they get it from. I'm yeah. only hearing one side of the conversation, but I know yeah. what's going on in the other. And it's like they're talking to each other as if they're strangers. It's yeah. very weird. Yeah, yeah. And I can't it, – it, it gets under <laughs> my skin. People talk uh, – now I feel conscious about how, how loud I'm talking. I don't know how if I'm talking. But people You are who, speaking with intention for a purpose. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But um, when you're just there, hi, how are you, yeah. you know, talking on the phone. I always wonder about people who, who do that because I've met a few people like that in my life who just don't yeah. seem to to talk at a, at a low – frequency like ever yes. and I'm like are you a middle child is that the answer <laughs> sometimes I speak so low that no one can hear yeah. me speaking of which I found out <laughs> Donald Trump is a middle child well did you know that yeah doesn't that explain a lot who's the little one the sister I don't know I have no idea the I sister mean, that's a has, judge yeah yeah he has a, like a few the older siblings the older sibling d- didn't make it mm-hmm. he was the golden boy yeah yeah and then he was always bad because yeah. he's uh, uh, like Essentially it's, a demon, I guess. Isn't it pretty strange you don't hear a lot about his upbringing, like a lot? You'd think. Well, like, I mean, I watched a great front line about it. There was a front line about it, okay. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think there may have been a, even a CNN special too. But okay. Who knows if you can believe that or not? Yeah. <laughs> no, just... I do. <laughs> but the, I think the front line one was quite good okay. because it talks about how he was essentially not it. Gotcha. In the eyes of his father – the Fred Jr., who uh, I think mm. uh, alcoholic, and he oh, died. Yeah. Mm. He was the one who was going to get the business. He was the one that was doing well. They sent him away to military school mm. because they couldn't deal with him. He was a <laughs> jackass, and he still is. But he was a jackass then, and he didn't do anything when he got there. Yeah, and they just tried to keep him away from everybody. Yeah, and that is what formed this deep this, self-loathing and yeah. inability to let anything go and feel like he's made it himself. Well, it's yeah. ah, strange. I'm no, you know, uh, psychologist or anything, <laughs> but you can see it clearly in other people. It's so uh, obvious. What yeah. a situation we're in. So getting back to comedy, you did the films. Yes. Then you said, ah, maybe college isn't for me. Yeah. I got stabbed here. I want to get out of here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I think whenever somebody uh, is in a place and you experience uh, violence like that, your first thought is, let me get to Chicago. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that when you decided to go to Chicago right around that same time or that was later? It wasn't immediate. So that You that started happens. doing stand-up in L.A.? I started doing stand-up a little bit in L.A. Right. So 
that that was what the second year of college and then i did like the study abroad trip and then i came back and then it was when i got back i was like all right i'm done i'm done with college yeah like where the did stabbing you go was abroad? i went to i spent two months in rome and a, and a, and a, and a month in paris oh, not bad yeah made some very bad films there uh, it was yeah <laughs> well uh, so did they. I, I get to another tangent about, <laughs> about my, my movies. That's um, right. They're all going to be released soon. Yeah. That's why you're here today, right? To promote the DVD box set and digital the download. DVDs I just burned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Handing them out here on Soho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so I just like quit college. It was the best feeling in my life. And yeah. it was just one of those things where like your parents can't do anything. You're just like, I'm not. I'm done. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Uh, and then I was like working at a movie theater. Like moved back home, and my friend Ian Abramson, a great comedian, lives in yeah. LA now. Uh, he was recently on Conan. He put a dog collar around his neck. Yeah. Um, I think there's an advertisement now for uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and whoever the guy is in that. Oh, Josh Gad. Oh yeah, he has a little mustache, right? Ian yeah, has, he has a mustache. A, yeah, he has a... I looked at it the other day. I thought, oh my gosh, he's doing really great. <laughs> it's like him, great. Johnny Depp, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. He's it. not. He's not Ian there Abrams yet. Yeah. Doing. I know he did a Twitch stream for Funny or Die. So that's well. He's on his way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys uh, uh, paired up and yeah, decided to go to Chicago. We hatched a plan to move to Chicago for comedy, and it's just because I believe in the hero's journey. You know, I think you have yes. to go away from your family, and you just have to. Go Go into that cave and Empire Strikes Back and you have to figure some shit out, you know? <laughs> That's right. And what better place than uh, walking past the Rainforest Cafe in Chicago? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you ever go there? Uh, I never went inside of it, no. no I'm not I, sure I anyone ever has. My, my first job in Chicago, which was crazy. I moved there with like less than $3,000. You can do that in Chicago. I moved to New York with less than $1,000. Oh, well, that's hard. Which is crazy. You're, you're <laughs> increasing your difficulty levels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first job was at the California Pizza Kitchen in downtown Chicago. Oh, CPK yeah. in Chicago. That's an <laughs> interesting move, but Isn't one that, that you can draw on your own experience. I go to the New York Film Academy in <laughs> Universal, Universal Studios, California. And my first job in Chicago was at the California Pizza Kitchen. So it was a little fish out of water and uh, – yeah. um, uh, and the hero's journey to, <laughs> together. Yeah, um, in a, in a in a place not known for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this place needs? <laughs> yeah, some California pizza. Put some potatoes on that. <laughs> is what I would do. <laughs> Deep dish? No. No. My favorite thing about LA no. is you go into a restaurant and it's so healthy you have no idea what you're looking at. <laughs> I did that so many times last time I was there. I was like, what? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. It's just health. It's just health. It's just a, a <laughs> smattering of some kind of green and sometimes reddish orange stuff. It's like, you yeah. got a pile of that? I don't know. Uh, I guess. What that is. I guess you could blend it. <laughs> yes. I don't know. What's the powder? Okay. <laughs> sure. I'll take some. You snort health food. Um, so you're working at CPK. Yeah. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. And doing some stand-up, bitch. Doing stand-up a little bit. Like, this This is still a phase where I'm like, my filmmaker, I wanted to get into radio a little bit, audio. Right, right. You um, love conversations. I love conversations. Yes. Do I want to do improv? Do I want to do sketch? So I was like doing some, I took a sketch class at, writing class at Second City, and then me and Ian wound up in this improv troupe from DePaul University. And then what's weird is that troupe ended up getting a show picked up in one of those theaters at Second City. So within my oh. first year in Chicago, I was like doing some sort of sketch 
or like improv thing. I forget the name, like Sky Skybox. Have you been there? I think there's like a uh, one little theater at Second City called Skybox. That uh, could be. It could I, be. I, I uh, was part of the Chicago Comedy Festival in 2001. Okay. With Judy Tenuta, uh-huh. Don Rickles. Oh, whoa. They were the headliners. Whoa. Now, and, is this you or are you talking? Uh, <laughs> this is I, only me. I'm only here. <laughs> what, you, me or me? Uh, this is me talking. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was there with a, a comedy group, so mm-hmm. it wasn't just me performing. Okay. But I, I was there and my yeah. wife at the time, and we had our act. That we're doing. We just loved it. We stayed out. We performed in one of those Second City block, uh, Second City buildings, a Black yeah, Dahlia yeah. Theater or something like. I can't okay, remember what okay. it was called, uh, but we lo- went out to the bars for some old <laughs> styles, you know, until yeah. uh, about four a.m. or something, uh-huh. which was great. Uh, and that that's my memory of Chicago. So I don't remember exactly all the gotcha. different structures that were in there. Yeah, and I didn't see too too much else because when you're part of the festival, gotcha, you don't get out as much as you'd like yeah. to. But I had some very rich food. All of this to say <laughs> yes. that through performing at Second City in an improv group my first year in Chicago was like the best way for me to, to learn improv's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. And so then uh, I remember like the first year had passed by and I had just spent so much time struggling at these like different tro- jobs and trying to like figure out. And you just kind of go to open mics as a zombie like – with no real purpose because you're you're really trying to figure out like what what how does this work like yeah. stand-up doesn't work in any particular way until you like kind of make this shift in your mind I remember it was in October it was on Halloween after that first year we moved there February 2012 so by the time October came around I was like all right let me Go to this open mic at Coles, which is still my favorite open mic. This is a bar called Coles, not the department store. Not the department no. store. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and let me just turn this like switch on in my head, where it's like, I'll treat stand up like work, yeah. and then whatever else I'm doing in my life is going to feel like a hobby, and I'm going to just pretend that I hear the Conan stand up music when I walk on stage. <laughs> and whenever I go on stage at these open mics, I'm doing my Conan set. That's brilliant. And it worked. Like I, I from that day on, because I, I it's just like a motivation that happens in your head. Yeah. That's like I'm taking this seriously. And I just started getting booked on on more shows. That's and it, it's just that sort of thing. Like because your real goal when you start is to just get five minutes of solid material so that you have enough material to like <laughs> be one of the first acts at a stand-up show. Yeah. And it just kind of moved forward from there. Yeah. that's I, I just love that idea. And there is something to having that kind of a internal confidence as a key to get out there. Yeah. Because often you'll be backstage and be like, what am I doing? This is a mistake. Yeah, but it, it's just like giving yourself a reason for like, <laughs> what what are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it becomes, yeah, you really have to find this thing where it's like, yes, you're going out because it's fun to be part of the comedy scene. But then there's just this weird element of work <laughs> behind any form of entertainment that you have to like bring into the fold because otherwise you're just hanging out. Like, yes, you have to like the open <laughs> mic is there for a functional reason for you to work out material for you to do for something like, yes. I mean, th- it is an art and there is a joy and it, it is a hobby. But like, what is the the actual thing? 
And it's I'm still trying to figure that out. I feel like it's always shifting. But mm-hmm. like, you know, you want to survive doing comedy. So you have to figure out. And that's like the toughest thing. It's like the toughest thing is to admit to be able to say confidently that you're a comic to people. <laughs> like it's very weird when you start doing that. Yes. And then to like be a functional adult about it and like admit <laughs> admit that you want to make money for like you feel so ashamed like wanting to make money for comedy and you feel so ashamed trying to like create a you know develop a brand so to speak it becomes marketing at some point and you know balancing out all of that stuff the the work part of it and the the joy the genuine joy artistic part of it is strange and and weird and yes and, and it's about yeah. uh, getting to a kind of truth about yourself i mean talk about promoting your brain you have to promote yourself and yeah put yourself Which out there sucks. and when it's still in formation it can be a little bit tricky yeah. and yeah. it sucks <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's unpleasant. But yeah. then you're doing the comedy there for a little bit. Yeah, it was and, about five and years. And no less than the Chicago Tribune yes. comes forward and says, mm-hmm. you're a smooth wordsmith who is sharp, polished, and confident. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and then you're on the lists of, of comedians to watch, to check yeah, out. to check out. Oh. In Chicago Magazine. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So it, it must exciting. have happened in a quick uh, period yeah. of time. Yeah. So it, you must have been doing something right is I what I'm I think so. And from there, you start doing some podcasting. Mm -hmm. You start interviewing people. Mm -hmm. Are there just people you're meeting at the shows? Or then it – what was the focus when that started? It really did spiral out of that. I mean uh, I was writing for this satirical website called The Whiskey Journal, which is like basically The Onion. (laughs) It's like a great way for like new new writers to like get into the fold of like get used to like, oh, I come with this headline. How do I fill it out into like an article and stuff like that? Yeah. and the guy who created that, Kyle Scanlon, had this podcast equipment that he wasn't using. And I had uh, been doing like a lot of – like on top of going out to open mics and stuff, I was doing like volunteer stuff at WBZ Chicago. Yeah. And uh, this comedian, Brian Babylon, who's a frequent uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me panelist, he had this morning radio show. Um, uh, the show still exists, but he's not hosting it anymore called The Morning Amp on Vocalo, which is a radio station that is the sister station to WBZ – and it's in the same building as WBZ. They're just they're both Chicago public media. And so one day after this after the show called Entertaining Julia, uh I I was there just watching it and he I think he was on the show and then he walked out and he saw me, he was like, Who the fuck are you? <laughs> because he kept kind seeing of, me. Kind of a rude greeting, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> he's, he can be a he's a pretty uh, uh straightforward yeah. straightforward guy. Uh because he would see me at all these like NPR style things and he'd see me at comedy shows. And I was just oh, like, I you know, I'm still one of these people who who my hands are in so many different pots that is it's like something I'm trying to deal with is like people don't know how to narrow me down yeah. like for like specific things. Like when I want a writing job or something like, but you're a podcaster or like you do stand up or I thought you were a writer. <laughs> like, you know, what I mean? it's, it's yes, so crazy. But you're a podcaster. Is a phrase <laughs> I've, I've heard a lot. Yeah, you can never, you can never get, get rid of that podcasting <laughs> no, label. Especially while I was dating. <laughs> it was uh, tough. So I took, uh, took the equipment and I was like, all right, uh, Mark Maron's show is pretty popular. I want to be able to interview people that sure. I respect, like comedians and storytellers and stuff like that. Again, not to interject. That show did start after. <laughs> 
this one. <laughs> well, go ahead. Yeah. And then I loved uh, I loved Radio Lab, so I loved Radio you know, Lab. Yeah. Adding all these sound effects. Talk about edits. Yeah, and edits. And I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was I started as a film major. I love editing. I love the process of you know finding the right cut of things. I do appreciate about about your show. It's all true. Yeah. Which is the show that I think we're getting to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, there were some nice sound effects and edits Thanks. in there. Thanks. Yeah. My show. Much more of a wide shot, <laughs> I realized. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. Start to put a few things in. Yeah. I mean, make a doorbell I sound. I started off using okay. uh, GarageBand. Yeah. Uh, and I had Kyle's equipment, and I didn't have like a, a nice place to record. So I would record in Ian Abramson's basement. Nice acoustics down there. Yeah. In Logan Square, <laughs> Chicago, which is like a weird thing. I mean, you have a nice setup here. It's a nice little room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, inviting someone to a basement, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, different. Mark Maron had the garage, which yeah. is a lot better than the basement. Still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. A comedian's basement, <laughs> I think, is tricky. To, to lure people to that yeah. would, would be yeah. difficult. Um, and with good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Not that anything untoward was happening. <laughs> But if if, yeah. uh, if a young person was invited, I was, to I was just laughing to myself because I remember that a lot of people lived in this apartment, so I don't think this was Ian's. But <laughs> there was a whip in the basement that I was never explained to me. These things just keep following you around. <laughs> it's some kind of totem. You ought to get like a necklace or something with one uh, <laughs> little gold whip on there, and just see where it takes you. <laughs> Uh, and I just would interview people and I would edit it on GarageBand. And it got to that point, which I think a lot of things when you're a creative person gets to a point where it's like, why am I doing this? Because it was just a lot of work to like book the people and then do all this editing that I was doing to it. I would yeah. just be on – I was using Ian's laptop also. I didn't have like the proper equipment. <laughs> so I was like, can I borrow your laptop for like five hours <laughs> to like figure out how to like make the sound effects that I want on GarageBand, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I almost stopped doing it at that point, but then Brian Babylon had got me this internship for his radio show. I see. And through that, uh, uh, the head of the podcast department at WBZ at one point was looking for a podcast intern. And yep. so he asked Vocalo if they rec could recommend anyone. They recommend me. I get to the interview for this thing. I mentioned my podcast, and I had met Joe Dassault, who was uh, – the podcast guy there before through like volunteer stuff in addition to that. And then I mentioned this podcast I had started and he sounded like interested in it. And so I got the job, the internship, which is a paid internship. The first one wasn't. So this was great. Pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of which, once I got the unpaid internship, I quit my job at Dunkin' Donuts because I was like, I made it. But it was like a lot of struggling. <laughs> I like Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> it's it's it was... number one coffee in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking America runs on Dunkin' Donuts, and while I was working there, I was like, "Yes, America runs all over me." Um, uh, so I get that, and then somehow through like osmosis, like my podcast becomes a part of the WBZ podcast network because like I got to record there, and Listen. he found interest in it, and he thought it like he thought I was doing some cool stuff with it, mm -hmm. and so. That and I had a WBZ email because of the internship, so I got to. 
use that, Listen. I would get like what was it like fifteen episode contracts, unpaid contracts to <laughs> to produce this podcast. <laughs> Those, are the best. Those are the best for WBZ. <laughs> Sign me but, up. Uh, sometimes it would be people who were just there to promote whatever they were doing. Like that's how I interviewed Eddie Izzard. He was he was coming to WBZ to be on the radio, the morning radio show to talk about his tour, basically yeah. that was coming to Chicago. And then I got to be like, hey, do you want to do this podcast? So I got people from that. And then like other people was just like, I have this WBZ email. Which just like felt magical. So whenever like a big act was coming into town, I would try to like reach out and see if they were up to do the show. And so I got to interview like a lot of people. <laughs> That's great that because yeah. Chicago is a hub for a lot of great comedy and we'd be on a tour. Yeah. And there's not so many, I imagine, yeah. uh, shows there. And I got to figure out a lot of stuff from the people that I was interviewing because it was like um, interviewing becomes a sort of intimate space in a in a in a weird way especially when it's just like a an interview focused show yeah and it's just the two of us in the room and not for me and i <laughs> and i really do i, I feel prefer like... that this not become intimate <laughs> i kid no i agree with you yes yeah yeah and i, I think i was interviewing people especially because they were so used to do, doing their like their press routine in a way that like was refreshing to them because yes. I'm ask, actually asking a question. Not asking the same question. Yeah. From and one of my favorite things to do, which is um, something that I think Howard Stern does quite a bit, is like you you say a presumption about somebody and then you make them dig their way out of it. <laughs> so yeah. that, that kind of became my style a little bit. And, it, and I think it's a great way to enter conversation. Like, you seem like someone who does this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then how do they how do they dig out of it? Yeah. It can, yeah. It can work. It can work. Yeah. 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 Some, sometimes it backfires. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're wrong. Because you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember, No, it makes for interesting uh, an entry point. Yes. At least. Because yes. we all kind of assume things about each other. Yeah. And, and you're I'm trying to say, figure out what the reality is. Right, yeah. right. I would assume you were maybe a little bit nerdy growing up. Yes, I was. And see, there we go. And yeah. we've established you were watching Regis <laughs> in South Central. <laughs> yeah. I think one of my favorite conversations in general that I've had on it was uh, with Lil Rel. You know who he is? I, I don't know who he's, that is. Um, I assume related a... to Big Rel. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a Chicago comic. I think he's living in L.A. now. But he was uh, – did you watch that movie Get Out? Uh, not, not yet. Oh, it's, on okay. the, it's on the list. Okay. I, I know I have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few that are lined up that I think you'll, you'll I'll appreciate. You know who the comic relief is when you All watch right. it, and that's okay. that's who he is. All right. Yeah. And Good. Yeah, he's, uh, he does a lot of great character work on stage as a stand-up comic in a I way like that, that. Like, I'm so jealous of. I can't <laughs> do that. I can't. I can't hump a stool. I can't embody oh. people. And he does it so effortlessly that I'm just like – the first question was, you seem like someone who just watched people growing up. And – he said out loud that like that that immediately shifted the conversation to like all right like this guy really wants to like have a conversation with me instead of saying a lot of broad strokes you know well you say you said the word intimate but it's also about what comes through intimacy listening yeah and paying attention to the other person yeah and that's that's how you get a question like that where you say I see what you're doing yeah. and to me that speaks to this and I imagine that yeah, yeah. that's what happened for you was that a common experience yeah 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 it's great when you can have that kind of yeah. Uh, thing happen and as as the yes. interviewer yes don't you find it's it's this beautiful struggle of like listening to the person while trying to figure out what the next question is going to be it's like it's kind of like stand-up in that way of like those in the moment decisions of like 
at some point, I'm sure at some point while I've been talking, you've tuned out because you're thinking about what the next question's going to be or like how, you know. I have been doing this enough. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes, that, that does happen. Yeah. But I kind of have the gist of yeah, where yeah. we're going mm-hmm. uh, together. And I'm delighted by some of the surprise avenues we've walked down. Um <laughs> Especially ones where we get stabbed. But uh, no, no. You are always thinking. You're kind of moving it forward. I'm aware of different things happening. Time. Uh, yeah. Places where I know we're still going to. getting back to gonna, physics. We're st- Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Everything moving and yeah. having a reaction. And sometimes I listen to the show and I think, missed opportunity. <laughs> but that's just me always wanting to have another joke, another joke, another joke. But with you, uh, so then you're having the great conversations, learning a lot about your own thing. I gather maybe you um, shifted to have more political uh, yeah. stuff in your um, comedy itself. I don't know if that's a product of Chicago or just, I don't know, coming to terms with your own experience or something. But there was a shift there? There definitely was a shift there, yeah. yeah. And uh, some of it came from some of the people I interviewed, like Hari Kondabolu, who's a very political comedian yeah. who talks like boldly about race, I think, which at first I did. I tried not to talk about race. And I am a pretty absurdist styled comedian yeah but there is just this thing where you realize like my commentary on race gets the biggest laughs so i should just lean into that a little bit right well that's the one great instinct as a comedian yeah to to follow where you get the laughs yeah yeah and i believe uh i mean i think i'll probably have to leave after after i make this comment or we can wrap up (laughs) or something but um uh in this idea of the elephant in the room yeah uh, like if I were to teach a stand-up class, yes. or like a comedy class, I think like our true power as a comedian is not like what you intend to do because I think when you start out, you like I imitated people. Like everyone has this – they're kind of imitating the people that made them want to do comedy. Like I met so many people who were obviously imitating Zach Galifianakis <laughs> like at the time yeah. that I started doing it. Yeah. Like you could definitely tell. But really, there's it's... a lot of people now imitating John Early. I don't know. If oh, wow, you... I haven't. I'll, I'll pay attention. Oh, to yeah, that. pay attention to it. That's yeah. funny. Uh, what is it about you that the audience is like trying to figure out when you walk on stage? Especially yeah. as a black person, it's. I feel like when I walk on stage, the audience is asking, "What kind of black comedy am I going to get right now?" <laughs> and so that's my power on stage is to manipulate that and mess with that and control that. Like, yeah. I'll be a super black comic for this chunk, and then I'll ease out of it and become more. You know what I mean? Like, I'm control. <laughs> that is like the super maestro. Super black comic sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you know, sometimes it's like you know, weight or like how like how skinny you are. Like what are those things? What are those base things that the audience either has questions about or assumptions about? Yeah. And those are like I mean, that's the power of slapstick, you know? Yeah. Like the basics of comedy is like manipulating all of all of that stuff and being in control of that. Yeah. And if you can figure that out, I think you can find a more like nuanced and interesting way to do your comedy. Instead of like projecting like, oh, this, like this is the kind of person that I am. I'm almost disappointed that it's coming back to physics. But given that everything <laughs> – every you know uh, action has a reaction. But playing with that reaction, yeah. uh, playing with that expectation, yeah. like the slipping on a peel or like a, you're going to get hit or you, where things are going to go. Sometimes you know what the word is going to be and it's very satisfying. Yeah. You have a joke that uh, I think sometimes as you enter – uh, you introduce yourself, and it's one of those jokes that it's just going to stay with me forever because it's a little bit of a a shift for me. It's a kind of obvious thing, 
and I like it, it's when you come out and you say, I'm from uh, African America. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you grew up in a small, a small town, town in Africa. America. It's like the, the phraseology of it. Like, where it, is this going to go? It's just, yeah. e- even if it stopped there, <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> And I, I really appreciate it. And there's those kind of jokes come along every now and again where it's a a simple phrasing of a complicated yeah. idea that's very satisfying. Yeah. And you toys with the and expectations. And that's something I, I, I came up with that joke before I started doing stand-up because yeah. I hated small talk so much. <laughs> right. And I hated that question where you're from. And I know the, the layers of that question. I feel like so many times people are trying to ask. That question is like, what kind of black person are you? You know, like <laughs> right. so many location questions are about class and like, yeah. all, especially in California. Where are you really from? California is yeah. like a spiraling place where like you have to learn what Glendale is. Like, what are these? And there's all these Beverly like, will. Yeah, and there's all yeah. these class issues with all of it, and it's yes. very complicated. No one really talks talks about the like class structure of California. Yeah. Uh, really. And so I would just say – and it's I, – I wouldn't say it expecting a laugh. That's the other part. I would say it very realistically like I'm just a- answering the question and the shock – they're just so shocked because they have to think about it and that's when they realize it doesn't make any sense and that's when they laugh. <laughs> yeah. And so I think going back to conversations, I try to have a conversational absurdity. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it suits you. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that <laughs> myself. Um, so you you kind of discover that bit to mm-hmm. your uh, identity or to your comedic persona or uh, your comedy. Um, and then uh, after some years in Chicago, you decide to move to New York and to also pursue even more personal stuff. Is that true? Yes. That there's kind of been a, a movement towards, um, again, it, explaining or talking about tea. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't think I've achieved that fully well, yet. Well, listen, it takes it some time. It takes some time. One yeah. hopes. <laughs> One hopes. Yeah, to be able to talk about relationships and things like that. I'm I'm still figuring that out, yeah. but I, I do think that's the next step. And then it's just also like what I don't know. Like what what are my actual goals for comedy right now? I feel like I was just talking to Ian a little while ago about how much that's changed because like uh, the meaning of certain things comedically have have been lost. Maybe just for me now. Like, mm. there's so many stand-up specials that I'm like, my goal isn't to release a stand-up special right now. <laughs> like, maybe when you know stand-up when comedy dies off <laughs> for a little bit, <laughs> that, that'll be your just, moment. That'll be a moment. You know, because like I don't want to. It's, it's just a like, crowded field. It's a crowded field, and so like I don't want to release an album or like none of those like sort of original goals of stand-up are really there. Yeah. So I think that that gives you some space to figure out the personal stuff because like I, I really don't want to do the big things right now. You know, I just had an idea that I'll share with you. Maybe you and I could get a hold of some transcripts of early Regis and Kathy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally down for that. <laughs> just mount yeah. a few of those live. <laughs> I would love that you so know, much. There's an easily an hour worth of material there. <laughs> yeah. Just to see what happens. We can do a wide shot. Yeah. You can bring a whip if you have to. Uh <laughs> So how has the transition to New York been, though? Because it's been how long? A year? It's been uh, over a year. Maybe almost maybe almost two years. Maybe a year and a half yeah, would be okay. closer. Have you found yeah. a sort of uh, location of um, like-minded uh, people? If you, not, there's kind of the not, creek yeah, and the no, cave tribe. There's no, the Union Hall, no, the pit. I haven't, I haven't really found it yet. And it's because no. I'm not – I lost the, the social urge of comedy. Aha. Uh-huh. 
which what I'm trying to get that? back in tune with. You retreating into a... I retreated into my, ba- my comedic bat cave. <laughs> Your comedic bat cave. Yeah, and I'm trying Sometimes to... we need to recharge. We need yes. to refill our references, yes. that kind of thing. Yes, I, I just got used to not going out in Chicago, especially once like people started moving to all the, all the different coasts. Yeah. And I would still go up pretty consistently, even though I wasn't socializing. So I was like, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, ideal. Yeah, that's ideal. And it's like a little <laughs> bit of starting over in New York and getting used to the, reintroducing myself to people feels like a lot of work. A little exhausted by it? A little exhausted a by little it. A little sad by it or no? Not sad by it. I mean, I think maybe like everyone warned me of a little bit of depression when you moved to New York because yeah. like no one knows who you are in the same way. But I... I took that like I was very conscious of that when I moved out here, but but staying in your room is stay, also not going to be the way. That, not not going to be great. <laughs> it's not going to improve that yeah. situation. I mean, I, I found myself doing a lot of like podcast production work, and I'm doing a lot of writing packets. And, yeah, uh, I have a manager now, which feels weird. And, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, I'll get a writing gig and be able to go out more consistently. But I've always been a I've always been the type of person who waits for things to suddenly make sense. Like when yes. I go to a party, I stand in a corner and I wait for the gravitational pull of everyone else who is bored to come to me. That's and right. then we just start riffing about Regis and Kelly. Yes. Then you're the last to leave. Yeah. 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 I know it well. I know it well. I'm nodding because I have uh, Yeah. So I'm uh, treating New York like that, that party, which yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm seeing how things work, I'm learning, and I'm just waiting for things to just like make sense for me instead of... You know, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I would never contradict on how you should do go about it. <laughs> but I also know yeah. that you got to be out there. Yeah, yeah. Because people are moving so quickly. Yes. And doing their own thing so much. Yes. That if you're not at least kind of keeping pace with them. Yeah, yeah. It's a situation where you can't be in the middle of the track. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't – you don't have to be number one. Yeah. Well, you can, you, yeah, I'm trying to figure, figure you gotta it out. You got to be up towards it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep the pace. Yeah. Tim, I know. keep the pace. I know. You know what's bad is my my com- the comedic person that I I, t- I take uh, I don't know what am I trying to say that I try to to balance my my uh, trajectory after, which is something that you can't schedule. You can't write this no, kind of thing down. Absolutely, is Larry David because he just lucked out. Yeah, like, I want I want <laughs> I want to be one of the people who just lucked out. Wouldn't that like, be that nice? is my goal? And I feel like I'm actively, consciously, metaphysically. You know, in a place where that is that is my mentality. So it's it's I can't I can't get that concept out yes. of my head, which is I just want to be funny enough to luck out. Well, it happens. Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, if you're there, again, I don't think it happens as much if you're in the room. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it it does happen. It does I think happen. That yeah, and you know, you got to feel right. Yeah. It's got to be the right moment. Yeah. I definitely believe in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happens when it happens. Yeah. And hopefully it will happen <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> Damn it. No, we're not. It's okay for yeah. me. <laughs> My time is gone. <laughs> oh, no, we'll see. We'll see. I have that same instinct. I can yeah. relate to that. So, uh, But I do hope to see you out there and about. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be doing some shows coming up? Uh, no shows in the books right now. Good. Let's I mean, keep I'm, I'm it co-hosting open and... this uh, stand-up show with Z Wade. You know, who she is. Yeah, she's, uh, sure. Yeah, she's Terrific. very funny. Uh, she's she's a writer for the Rundown with Robin Thede right now. Yeah. So we're doing that every uh, every month. I believe it's the 
second Friday of each month Thanks. at uh, Legion Bar in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. So it's oh. called Obama's America. <laughs> oh, yes. So, yeah. yeah, that'll, yeah. That's, a that. heat. that's That's yep. coming up. Good. Uh, Good. See? Yeah. <laughs> See, you leave. But there'll be, there'll be some other stand-up shows, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I do the booking email type thing, and people ask me to do shows. And, yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, I promise you that I will start going out there. <laughs> well, I'll keep you to it, but uh, I, I'm not going to worry too much because I tell you, people come on this program. Yeah, and things change. Things change. <laughs> and I, I see you at a party, you'll be, you'll, yeah. you just look past me. <laughs> Who's that guy? That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, well, I, I've so enjoyed speaking with you. This has been great. Sam, and I know it's all going to just be terrific for you. Thank you. And it'll happen when it needs to happen. Yeah. And I'm sorry you got stabbed. <laughs> I believe in you. All right. Is the podcast still going? You're, you're taking a break. I'm taking a break. Okay, but it might but come I, back. I think it might come back. I actually okay. did a live show a couple months ago with Joe Firestone and uh, Jabuki Young White. Do you know who terrific. he is? Terrific. Yep. He's a They're both fun great. guy. And uh, Eve Pizer, who's yeah. a. Terrific. Yeah. And uh, who else was on it? And, and Langston Kerman. Well, you know so you're maybe, doing. maybe I'll release that. But it's just so much work to edit it, you know? <laughs> what else so are you I'm doing? Try- <laughs> Tim, we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Okay. Delightful. I love a good stabbing story. And I love thinking about Regis Philbin. I love thinking about all the Philbins out there. You know, I'd like to host a morning show if it wasn't so early. But this show is all I can muster at the moment. I've got a lot going on. In fact, we have a live show coming up on November 15th, where my guest will be musician and actor Lola Kirk, musician Kylie Lotz of the band Pedal, and comedians Wenjiko Eke and Sarah Lazarus, plus theremin mastery from our own Cornelius Loy. And that's at the Slipper Room. Where else? Get tickets now on our website, deepnightshow.com, or over on the Slipper Room's website. Our lucky numbers this week are 1, 7, and with milk. And that is also the instructions for the antibiotics I need to take due to a lingering tingle in my tangle. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's okay. I do hope that I reach Galinda, though. I've got a little worry uh, in me. Personalized spiritual reading goes out to Teddy Tramwell in Kerosene Ranch, Idaho. Teddy, listen to this. I mean, it is an art, and there is a joy, and it, it is a hobby, but, like, what is the, the actual thing? And that'll do it for another week in the deep night. Remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is brought to you by Jameson Spirit Cleanser, the original prairie-grade sage that you can burn whenever things start making noises in your walls, or a spirit appears at the foot of your bed wearing 18th century sailing regalia. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Deep Night Season 10 podcast image by artist Kelsey Roten. Deep Night Season 10 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the season provided by the talented roster of Howler Hills Farm. The Deep Night podcast can be found on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on Apple Podcasts, where we kindly ask you to subscribe and then leave a rating or a review. Once again, thank you for listening.